Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. On the, bra- uh, on the back of the prayer sheet, connected to the prayer sheet, is a, a sheet with the, the Bible study. On Wednesday nights, uh, I've been doing a little bit more topical, and I've been doing, uh, you know, focusing in on some theology and doctrine that is important uh, to the faith using creeds and confessions to launch the point of discussion. And I've looked at the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and, and, and things like that. You know, we, we say the word theology, we say the word doctrine, and then, you know, everyone kind of cringes like, oh man, that's dry, that, that's boring, it, it's I- impractical that we think. But we might fail to see the connection between why it's important to rightly believe about God and rightly believe what the Bible says about all things and then our daily lives. You know, it's important to see that, yeah, the way we live is connected to theology. The way we live is connected to doctrine. How we're able to handle things that come to us in life is very much connected to what we Believe because if we don't believe rightly about God and about His Word and about what He says, you know, we're not going to be able to handle this life rightly. We're not going to be able to have the right ethics. And so, actually, doctrine is um, very important because I think if we grasp the truths of doctrine and theology, you know, it's going to help us to navigate this journey of life uh, that all of us uh, are on. And so we come to a topic that I'm going to be talking about tonight and might talk about for a few uh, Wednesdays uh, in a row, but I think it's a topic that has a lot of implications uh, for us. Um, But it's deep, it's dense, and honestly, it's it's, it's not a topic that I'm going to be able to... Like, here it is on a Wednesday night, and oh, you know, we've just hit every possible truth that there is um, about this topic. This is the kind of topic where, you know, we dive in here, but you're going to have to take it and go home with it, and you're going to have to wrestle with it and deal, deal with the implications of it. And sometimes you might not like necessarily where it leads, and yet it's a truth that's hard to deny. And actually, I was kind of considering, uh, I was considering skipping this topic for a while. Because um, right now, we, we just have a lot of members going through a lot of stuff. And, you know, they're suffering through many things. I mean, real life, I mean, this uh, real life, trials and, and troubles, and so uh, this topic might be a little bit raw uh, for some people, um, but it, it deals with reality, and I mean, it's, we have to wrestle with the implications because we're all going to be battling through something at some point in time, and so I don't want to miss the importance of this, and you know, I want us to grasp the truth of who God is and what he has done and what he has revealed about himself. And so, you know, I'm kind of tiptoeing around it. But um, it's the doctrine of divine providence. God's in control, right? And we, we wrestle with this. 
you know, if, we, if, we're, if we're able to come to terms with what the Bible says about God's providence and about his, his control, it, it, it very much can be an ointment for a wound in our heart and our lives. But just like a lot of ointments, when you first apply the ointment, it stings first for a little bit. And sometimes the doctrine of providence uh, can be like that. Well, what do I mean by, by providence? Um, I'll use uh, uh, one definition that comes from a systematic theology. Um, what it says is the doctrine, this is the doctrine that God is continually involved with all created things in such a way that, that he, one, first, he keeps them existing and maintaining the properties with which he created them. Second, he cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. And third, directs them to fulfill his purposes. Um, you know, we, we might not all agree with that particular definition, but it does have, the doctrine does have to do with, you know, God is in control and there's nothing that happens that is out of his control and he is directing things toward a goal and directing things toward um, an end. So lately, just um, because we're Baptists, I've been using the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith to kind of guide the discussion. And, and so, you know, within the London uh, Confession, uh, this is chapter five, and there, there's a reason why it's where it's at, because chapter three, it talked about God's decrees, and we might say that God's decrees are the blueprint or the plans and then his providence is his executing the blueprint, you know, building, building it, uh, executing the plans. And then chapter four was about God being the creator. He created the universe. He created everything that exists outside of himself. And so obviously that is the realm of providence, what, what he has created. And so uh, what, uh, what does the confession tell us about providence? And then how does that jive? How does that match? Uh, with scripture. Well, let me read the first three uh, paragraphs, which should be on uh, that sheet. Uh, but it says that God, the good creator of all things, in his infinite power and wisdom, upholds, directs, arranges, and governs all creatures and things from the greatest to the least by his perfectly wise and holy providence to the purpose for which they were created. He governs according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and unchangeable counsel of his will. His providence leads to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, infinite goodness, and mercy. All things come to pass unchangeably and certainly in relation to the foreknowledge and decree of God, who is the first cause. Thus, nothing happens to anyone by chance or outside of God's providence. Yet by the same providence, God arranges all things to occur according to the nature of second causes, either necessarily, freely, or in response to other causes. And I'll talk about what that means in a bit here. But in his ordinary providence, God makes use of means, though he is free to work apart from them, beyond them, and contrary to them at um, his pleasure. So we'll just quickly kind of boil down what it's trying to say here. I mean, right away, the, the, the confession tells us that um, God, he's the good creator of all things. He's good. He, when he created, he didn't just kind of wind the universe up and then kind of 
let it go to do its thing. Now, I, I don't know if they have these t kind of toys anymore, but I remember as a kid, you'd have these cars where, you know, you would keep pulling it back, pulling it back, pulling it back to wind it up, and then you let the car go and zoom, there, there it goes. Usually crashing into a wall and then your mom gets onto you, stop messing up the wall or something along those lines. But, you know, it, it, God didn't just wind up the world and say, all right, go, do, do your, your thing there. Didn't, he didn't cause the universe to fend for itself. God is involved in creation. It says that, that God is involved by his infinite power and wisdom. And this is attested to by scripture. If you look at Jeremiah 10, 12, it says the Lord is the one who by his power made the earth. He is the one who by his wisdom established the world. And by his understanding, he spread out the skies. His power and wisdom was involved in everything that was created. He created with wisdom and power and he's active in the universe. He is actively working in the universe with that same wisdom and power by which he created everything. But you know, what, what is it that he, he does? What, what is his involvement in the universe? The confession summarizes it that God upholds, directs, arranges, and governs all creatures and things. You know, another way we might put it is that he preserves, he supports, he governs and he directs the universe by his power and his wisdom. The Bible again attests to this. For example, in Hebrews 1.3, and remember when we talk about God and creation and providence, we are talking about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all are involved in, in when we talk about providence. But it says in Hebrews 1.3, specifically about the Son, but it does you know, go forth toward the other members of the Trinity, the Son is the radiance of His glory and the representation of His essence, and He sustains all things by the powerful Word, by His powerful Word. And so when He had accomplished cleansing for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He sustains all things by His powerful Word. And then when Paul was giving his sermon slash apologetic argument to the, the Athenians who were pagans. Um, this is what he had to say about God and about God's providence in Acts 17 verses 25 through 28. He said, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives life and breath and everything to everyone. From one man, he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth, determining their set times and the fixed limits of the places where they should live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope around for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move about and exist, as even some of your own poets, your, your Greek Athenian poets said, for we too are his offspring. So, you know, he, he's saying he gives life and breath to everything. If he didn't, they wouldn't be alive. He made the nations, he determines their times, their places, their power, their, you know, and, 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 and things like that. He's in charge, he's in control. He is providentially moving things along. 
We could say that from every angle, God providentially works within the universe, moving and guiding and, and, and sustaining it with his power and, and wisdom. And you know, you know, it's not just the big things. We think, okay, yeah, God is doing the big things. He's in charge of the big things. He's moving the big things in, in, in history. But the confession says that he upholds and directs and arranges and governs all creatures from the least to the greatest. And so what does that cover? That covers everything. The least creature to the greatest creature, the least important thing you might be thinking that happens in life to the greatest thing you think could happen in life. God is in control. And, you know, Jesus told us about this in Matthew 10, uh, verses 29 through 31. I mean, just consider the implications of what Jesus is saying here. He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So consider the implications of that. I mean, yeah, the whole, you know, he, he knows you very intimately. There, there's that providence. He knows the hairs on, on your head. But, I mean, even a sparrow, you know, we, we, we look at sparrows, we, we, you know, we're used to seeing birds. We don't even think about it. Oh, you know, there's a bird. Okay, so there's a bird. One does not even fall to the ground without the Father being in control, without God being in control. Even a bird doesn't die outside the providence of God. So, I mean, if God is then involved in the life of a bird, how much more involved is he in the lives of those who are made in his image? I mean, if God takes care of the birds, you know, he, we, he talks about in Matthew 6 about, you know, God by his providence feeds, feeds the birds. God by his providence clothes the, the flowers. How much more is he going to take care of, uh, of you? And, and so God is involved. From the least creature to the greatest creature, from the least important thing we might think is going on in our lives to the most important thing we think that is going on in our lives, and everywhere in between, God is involved. God is in control. So, you know, it says, he governs by his perfectly wise and holy pur purpose to the purpose for which they were created. So everything was created with a purpose in mind. Now, yeah, you know, the fall and sin messed things up, but everything was created for a purpose. We think of Colossians chapter 1, again, speaking of Christ the Son. In verses 16 and 17, it says, For all things in heaven and on earth were created by him. All things, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions, whether principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he himself is above before all things and all things are held together in him. And so, you know, you, you, you consider that. Everything was created through him, but everything was created for him. Everything was created for a purpose. As one author states it, all things were created for a purpose, and they are upheld and directed for the realization of that purpose. God's control of creation is compatible with his purpose in creation. Providence is the direction of all creation 
to its intended purposes, not the least of which are redemptive. Creation is the stage upon which redemption is played out. And so, you know, God created us for a purpose, for his glory, obviously, as it says, but also he has a will. He, he, and, and, and definitely within the purposes of redemption, we have a part to play in that as well, declaring the truths of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. So, okay, we hear that. And um, this is where our finite minds and just the fact that we're finite, we really start wrestling with God's eternal character in, in, in understanding the extent of his involvement in certain events. Because we don't want to blame God for something, but neither, but at the same time we can't understand why think certain things happen. You know, we, 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 we start to wrestle with God's, the, the extent of God's involvement in certain events. Now we know that by God's character and his nature, and it, it's attested in scripture, that God cannot perform a morally evil act and he will not tempt anyone to perform a morally evil act. And yet, God being God, he's able to take the free moral choices, evil moral choices of an individual and twist them and turn them for his purposes. He can take the natural evils that come from a world that is fallen, a cursed world, and he's able to turn them toward his purposes. He turns them toward an ultimate good, and we might not be aware of the correlation between the two. How can this event somehow turn toward some sort of good on, God, on God's part? But yet, as the paragraph says, he receives glory from it, which is the ultimate purpose behind everything. We see these events that we don't like. We see suffering. We see evil. We, I mean, just fill in the blank, something going on in your life, in the news, everything you see. What was it? Hundreds some odd people killed in an earthquake in Morocco. Um, read something about there's been tons of floods in, was it Libya or Syria? Thousands of people killed in these flash floods. Okay, how, how is God providentially involved in that? Well, you know, we, we wrestle with that because we don't see where God is headed. We don't see the end game. We don't see, I mean, yeah, we know the end game of Christ returning, but we don't see how these events help in any redemptive way. And that's the problem. We're human. We don't. We can't all the time. And yet, God is there. He's providentially in control. So we think of the, the story of the blind man in uh, John chapter 9. 
You know, he was blind from birth, and Jesus and his disciples, they come upon him. And, and you know, the, the, the disciples ask a question that reveal kind of the thought, thought pattern of the day, what they thought in those days, uh, the Jews thought about. So in, in John chapter 9, verse 2, his disciples asked him, you know, about this blind guy. All right, Rabbi, who committed the sin that caused him to be born blind, this man or his parents? You know, because that was the belief. If bad things happen to someone, well, somebody sinned. Everything bad had to come from sin, right? Well, no. I mean, is it, it's attested in Scripture and we see in real life, no. And what's attested in Scripture and what we see in real life is that bad things happen to good people. But, you know, we don't, we at where we're at and with our finite minds, we're not able to make that connection. That's where the wrestling with this comes in. But sometimes it goes beyond, you know, that. And, and, and you know, sometimes God allows bad things to happen to good people for an ultimate reason that only God knows. And we don't. Well, you think about Job. Job didn't know what was going on. I mean, we, we, you know, we get the bigger picture. We get the behind-the-scenes look. Um, you know, and Job never did find out what kind of where the ultimate thing of that, of that was, was going. But it even happened to uh, this blind man in John chapter 9. So, okay, so the, the disciples asked the question, all right, who sinned? Was it his parents? Was it him? Who sinned that he, he was born blind? I don't know why, how if he was born blind, how his sin would have caused that. But I mean, uh, that was the thought of the day. So Jesus lifts the veil and he corrects the disciples thinking about this. And so in, in verse nine, or verse three of John chapter nine, Jesus answered them this. He said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but he was born blind so that the acts of God may be revealed through what happens to him. Say what? In God's providence, he was born blind, so at that moment, in John chapter nine, Jesus could heal him. And it would glorify God and it would, it would reveal who Jesus is. Gotta wrestle with that. Jesus, in his providence, allowed that man to be born blind so then at that moment he could be healed. And Jesus made known. Again, we might at the time might not understand. And we may not in this lifetime understand. But God is providentially in control. He's moving things toward a purpose. We consider the death of Lazarus. You know, when Jesus receives uh, the news that Lazarus is sick, and he says something interesting, and it almost sounds like a lie or a misdirection maybe, but in actuality, I mean, Jesus already knew what the outcome was gonna be. So when he says this, but Okay, Lazarus, we know what happens to Lazarus, but in John chapter 11, verse four, Jesus is told, Lazarus, is, the one you love is sick. With the expectation, come here and heal him. 
But he's, this is what Jesus said. This sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So you know, he says this sickness will not lead to death, but Lazarus actually died. But Jesus already knew, I'm going to go there and I'm going to raise him up. So it's not a sickness to ultimate death. Because he would die, but he wouldn't stay dead at that time. He, he was raised. So why was he raised? So that God is glorified and Jesus is glorified through that act of resurrection. So God in his providence allowed Lazarus to be sick and die so that Jesus would come and raise him up. So that God is glorified and that Jesus, you know, it, it's, it's more demonstration of who Jesus is and Jesus is, is glorified. And so that's where we gotta wrestle with providence. God, through his wisdom and power, upholds, directs, arranges, and governs even the seemingly bad things. God was in control when Joseph's brothers did to him what they did to him, sold him into slavery and all that. Ultimately, so that, funny enough, so that the brothers wouldn't die in the famine. God is providentially in control when what happened to Job happened to Job. I mean, God allowed Satan to do what he did. God was providentially in control in letting a blind man be born blind. God was providentially in control when Lazarus was sick and he died. And God is providentially in control right now to everything that is happening to us. And we have to wrestle with that. That's why I say we, we, we're not gonna come up with a comfortable answer tonight. We're gonna have to go home and wrestle with this. And as the paragraph states, God is providentially in control even when just the natural things of life are happening. The, the paragraph calls it secondary causes. Um, Jesus, just when the natural things of life happen, God is providentially in control. But, you know, think about the, the way we, we do this and we think about this. So we, we work and we make money so we can buy food so we can eat. And then, you know, when we sit down to dinner or whatever, you know, we pray and we give thanks to God for providing the food. But it's in recognition that God is in control of the natural processes that, you know, he was behind, he was behind the growth of the food. He, it was by his providence that the seed was planted, the water fell upon that seed, it was harvested by a farmer, it was God's providence that you have a job to make the money, to go buy the food. And, you know, God was behind the secondary causes. God was providentially in control of all those aspects. There's a recognition that yes, God can do what we call miracles. He can bypass the secondary causes. But at the same time, he also can use just the natural occurring phenomena. He can use the natural system that he created. That's why he created it the way he did. He created it a certain way. But he's still in control of it. And so, 
you know, we, we're, we're okay when we talk about God's providence when we're saying he's in control of the good. Yes, God, God did this, God allowed that, God moved this, God did that. But we have to wrestle with the fact that God is providentially in control of the bad as well. He allows it for some reason that we don't know about. But what this should do is it should cause us to seek his face. It should cause us to run to him for strength and cause us to run to him for peace. And, and you know, just, just knowing, look, I'm not in control, but God is. May it help us with our trust in God. You know, it, because if we, if we believe the promises of Scripture, if we believe the promises of Scripture, well, does God love me? Yes, He loves me. He sent His Son to die for me. I am His child through Christ. He, he loves me. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to trust in Him because I know I'm going to be in heaven one day, I know that uh, this world is not my home. I mean, throughout Scripture, you know, I'd study First Peter. We are pilgrims. This is not, not, not the end here. But even if, if things are happening that we would consider bad, we just don't like what's going on, there is a grander purpose behind it that we might not understand, but we trust the God whom we know through his word. And we don't just use that as a pat answer either. You know, sometimes we might say that just because, well, I don't know what else to say. Well, you know, God's in control and, and all that, but do we really believe it? I mean, do we, do we really think through the implications when we say that, that God is in control? I mean, it, it's a theological truth to be wrestled with. It's a theological truth to come to terms with. It's a theological truth that we have to make peace with. Not every, not every you know, I, I don't know if we thought that, well, if, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna learn about God and everything's just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna like everything that I find out. Well, no, that's the thing. We have to wrestle with these things. God is in control. A couple days ago, what we celebrate, God was, didn't lose control on 9-11. And we got to deal, we got to wrestle with that. You know that, what is it now, 22 years? That, you know, it's not like on 9-11, you know, 2001, all of a sudden God's like, what in the world? When, uh, what, what, did, what are those guys? I didn't see that one coming. I don't know what to do about that. But what is that? What's the implications of all that? So we're going to have to come to terms with that. have to come to peace with that and just hope that it, it does give us peace. That I'm going through, you know, fill in the blank. But... God, I'm a child of God. God is with me. He's going to walk with me through this. And ultimately, he's going to usher me into his presence. 
and he's good. And he's good. You know, after my birthday yesterday, you know, every year kind of keep thinking more and more about my own mortality. I am not middle-aged, because if I'm middle-aged, I'm living to 104, and yeah, that's probably not going to happen, so. Have to, this world is not our home. And so we're on a journey, and good things are going to happen, and bad things are going to happen. But here's the thing, God is in control. He never loses control. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to thrust myself upon Him and just trust in Him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.